Bros. Welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman podcast. I'm your host, Christy Bowie. And you guys, we are recording this episode for the second time today because the things that happen when you're a business owner, you get sent the wrong bios, you have a recording that doesn't upload, and that's just how things go. So Kristen and I have literally spent the past like five to 10 minutes talking about things going wrong in our businesses and how we're recovering. But I feel like this is just so like quintessential business owner. So felt like I had to share. Welcome to our second recording of this episode. (laughs) And I am so excited to welcome Kristen. Kristen Brabant is a business strategist living in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico that helps women entrepreneurs clarify what they are the absolute best at and then redesign their business, offer suites, marketing, and calendars to position them in it so they can be both rich and rested. Her mission is to ensure women entrepreneurs have more money, power, influence, and joy because when women win, everybody wins. Kristen, I think we are all on the same page about that. And I am so excited to have you back once again. Once again, folks, Kristen and Christy are back at it. (laughs) Just really living the true business owner dream right now. Double recording episode. I really feel like we could have recorded a bloopers episode of just the two of us talking for an hour about all the shit that goes wrong in our businesses and all of the, I want to dig a hole, crawl in it and bury myself moments in our business of, I really, oh my God, you talking, you sharing with me about this incident you had this morning. (laughs) I had flashbacks of when I was first using Kajabi and it sent out automatic emails that were templates, templates oh, no. to my entire email list that I had just warmed up for a course launch. But I think it actually engaged them more. I think these slip ups engaged them more because I became suddenly very human and relatable. I mean, who doesn't want to watch a fire going up in the kitchen and then have a good laugh about it together? So anyways... You know what? I literally just, I feel like we're going to get so off topic here, but this is like the most relatable because we are all going through it right now. But after I had my incident this morning, had something that was kind of a mistake on a client happen, feel really awful about it. I Googled because I didn't know what to do. I was like, how to feel better after you make a mistake for a client. I literally was sitting in bed. Like you said, I want to crawl into a hole and sit under my covers and be like, I messed up and I want to fix it. It was very interesting. I know you're laughing, but I bet other people out there do the same. And instead, the goal is to make your client feel better after the experience than if the experience had never happened, right? So you saying that... You sending that email to your your clients and then them learning like you were human. You had an opportunity to like re-engage yeah. them and make that better. So a little silver lining to all of this via Chrissy's aggressive Googling, stressed out Googling. Oh my God. And Chrissy, like literally one of my worst nightmares is if people could read my Google searches. I am fastidious about deleting my Google searches because they are so mortifying. The crap that I Google on a daily basis, I just, I like, I was eating it up hearing. And then I Googled how to come back from blowing up your client's business. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Okay, we're back on track, back on track. Perfect. Well, coming back from all of that, obviously, we've all made mistakes and still have very successful businesses. So 
Kristen, I would love for you to just give us a background on your story and kind of how you got to where you are today. Yes. That, that's an easy thing, just my story in general. <laughs> the whole the thing. The whole thing in Chilala. So I grew up in California, and my story is that I thought I was going to be a teacher. So obviously, spoiler alert, she is not a teacher. But from the time that I was three years old, I was convinced I was put on this earth to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. Grandma was a teacher. Aunt Georgia was a teacher. Every woman in my family was a teacher. So I thought, you know, for sure that was my life path. And I go that path. And I invest in that path. I get a bachelor's degree in teaching. And then I pack my bags from California and I move to Boston to go get my master's in teaching. And I am quickly miserable there. And I do what I have always done, which is just push harder, you know, like stay the course, Kristen. And I ignored all the signs that this was like every time the universe tried to gently course correct me, I was like, absolutely not. This car is going to the teacher destination. And I started getting really sick. Uh, Unsurprisingly, I feel like your audience has probably already lived this and already is shaking their head and saying like, yes, we we know this story. We have lived this. Life is telling uh-huh. you something different and you're ignoring and it. And so unsurprisingly, Kristen becomes a regular at Urgent Care and they start knowing my name, knowing my face there. And I get every prescription under, under the roof until I finally make the decision to quit grad school. And but not after studying for, of course, the horrendous exams where they kick out the teachers that can't keep up because I was going to be damned if they were going to send me out of that graduate program. Like I was going to walk out on my own two feet. And I did immediately after passing. I did. (laughs) I walked up to my dean's office and I was like, Steve, I'm quitting. And they tried to convince me to stay and I left, but I had no plan B. And so I think, interestingly, that whole process of figuring out who am I going to be? What is my life about? What is my purpose after leaving graduate school and ditching this path of being a classroom teacher is something that I use all the time now with my clients. Most of my clients are at a pivot point in their career or business because I work with business leaders, but also women entrepreneurs. And that experience was a really fundamental one in me developing my own tools to figure out when everything goes to the shitter and your whole plan goes out the window, how do you figure out what's next? And I paid attention to what lit me up. So I did this exercise where I did like a life review And I paid attention to when I was a little kid. What were the things that I gravitated towards naturally? What were the things that sparked my curiosity? What would I do as a little kid to play when I was left to my own devices? And then I went through other epics of my life, like my high school years and my higher education and then my working life. And I started to see some real themes in the things that really lit me up that I wanted to preserve going forward in my career. And then the things that 
sucked the life out of me that I was like, never again, we are not doing curricula planning for English classes. Like, shoot me now. And I had a lot of conversations with people. And I just talked to a bunch of people who were really successful, but also really satisfied with their careers. And I learned from them, like, how did they figure it out? What were best practices? How did they get themselves where they were? And interestingly enough, that becomes a big theme when I'm working with clients and they don't know where to turn next. These are a lot of the strategies that I use with them about figuring out what is your zone of genius? What are you the absolute best at naturally? And then how do we redesign your career or your business to position you in those top skill sets where you enter into the flow zone, where you're extremely effective with little effort invested? So I wound up going to a nonprofit and doing career coaching for young adults entering into the tech sector there. So I got to be working with companies like Salesforce and LinkedIn and Facebook and Google. And then that led me into starting my own coaching business because I am not a great employee, checks out, and uh, needed to start my own business. <laughs> so that leads me now to having my own business. I've been, um, I've had my business coaching business for the last um, eight years almost. Yeah, eight, eight years this weekend. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. I wish we had a little like, Cupcake. I like know. A, a little party pop. Well, I'm to like add in like a little some sound effects. I love it. I love it. Well, Kristen, that is so exciting. And honestly, I don't think that's an abnormal story of the world telling us we're supposed to go one way and us saying, mm, no, absolutely yep. not. Despite, you know, just, and I resonate so much with you just like kind of wanting to stick it to the man. I could pass this test. I, it wasn't on your terms that I left. It was mine. Exactly. I had to prove that I could do it. Exactly. Like I have broken out in hives or something, you know, but then I'm like, I will be damned if I don't pass this exam. <laughs> and you tell me I have to leave instead of me telling you I have to leave. Exactly. Exactly. And I think so much of that is probably, and I'm so curious to get your take on that, but having a mindset like that is probably what leads a lot of us and the people who come to you as your clients into that level of, all right, I'm really successful. I did the thing, but I'm yeah. not happy. I would very much agree with that. I would very much agree with that. You know, I think a lot of my clients find me, I, I've noticed these very interesting age ranges of around 28 to 32. Hmm. Hmm. Are you looking at me? <laughs> and then... At early motherhood, so that can be different for everybody, but like a, then I have another sector of clients that are, you know, they've got an eight-month-old, for instance, right? You've come out of the newborn phase and you're just being like, what is this planet? And finally able to, you know, focus on yourself for a minute. And then women in their 50s, actually. And it's these interesting times in a woman's life when it's like the universe takes the wastebasket that is your life and turns it upside down and shakes it out and is like, okay, so who are you now and what do you want? And I think that really happens when you're 28 to 32 
and right after motherhood, if you choose to be a mom and in your 50s. And so that's interestingly when clients find me and the old success pattern of just work harder, of just push harder, which was, you know, my favorite in my 20s, uh, <laughs> quickly leads you to burnout. It doesn't work. You know, you find out the limits of that strategy for success and you got to go looking for something different. And that's where I think clients have found it really helpful to work with me. What about these phases of life? You know, I know you said they're kind of like tumultuous phases, but it sounds like people are coming to you because they have decided that now it matters for me to be happy, right? And I think kind of like you said before, we were so focused on just pushing and it didn't really matter. Now I'm successful. But what do you think about these specific phases of life that makes people reconsider their level of happiness instead of just pushing through? I think it's the forcing function of you can't take it anymore. I think that's like a very human thing, right? Typically, we don't go changing things up when things are working great. I always get real with people on my consultations. I'm like, why are we really here, Christy? Because nobody goes knocking on my door or booking a consult with me because everything is working perfectly. Usually people come looking for a business strategist or a business coach when shit has hit the fan and your old strategy for success is no longer working. So in our 20s, typically our strategy is kind of the one that worked in school, outwork everybody in the room, study harder than everybody in the room, right? Just keep going for the next rung on the ladder. And then you do it and you're successful. The image of success. And nothing feels better. And everything (laughs) feels worse. Exactly. Right. And, And then she becomes a regular at urgent care is the happy ending to that story. But you don't know what to do next, right? And I think after having a baby, it's a very similar story of what you did to be successful pre-baby will not work when your amount of time to be working in your business has been quartered or down to one-sixth of what it was pre-baby. And so we have to change up the strategy for business. And that when I say change the strategy, I mean a lot of stuff, right? Like typically too, on the other side of these realizations that things are not working for us, we're going to go into a period of reevaluating who we are, what our values are, what our mission is, what do we care about, right? Because after you go through a period of being burned out or having a child, what you care about is very different on the other side of that. And it's intimidating to figure out who am I and what matters to me on the other side of this. And so I go through branding. I go through a lot of, I base a lot of my work on data with clients. So we do, we will look back at their revenue from the last year and look at every single client that they worked with, every project that they did, Who got the best results? Where did you feel the strongest? Where is all of your revenue coming from? Who's paying you the most? Who's paying you the least but sucking up 80% of your time, right? And bit by bit, figuring out what are you the best at? Which transformations for customers do you create 
with the most amount of ease and the most amount of fulfillment and satisfaction? And then how do we redesign your business to be doing basically just that? Just that. Not all the other shit that they're probably doing because it makes them money, but how do we do just that and make even more money while working fewer hours? That's like my favorite game to play in business. Exactly. And I think we're both very much on the same page about that because I look in a lot more from a financial perspective. But some of the conversations that do come up, actually, one of my favorite questions I have on my onboarding form. Oh, I'm ready for this. What do you love doing in your business? Like, I want to know what lights you up. And sometimes I can see that you are doing really, really well when your business is really, really doing really well. But sometimes you're not when your business is doing well. And so it's so important to really understand even like from a financial person, like there is so much emotion involved in achieving those financial goals. It doesn't mean you can work the hardest of anybody and make the most and feel the best. It's unfortunately like all of these things we were told in life, the harder you work, the more money you're going to make. Like none of that. I've learned there's not really a parallel between, I don't want to say between how hard you work, but maybe how many hours you work and how much money you make, which is very interesting and sometimes a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, and I and I think you reach, especially after breaking six figures. So I think like we mm. can muscle our way through earning a hundred, a hundred and twenty K in your business, doing everything yourself totally. and just push harder. Like that will actually work to get you to 120K. And then then what? Because then you get to this inflection point where you cannot push harder. You'll, you're already on the verge of, you know, wanting to jump off a bridge, right? You're already on brink of burnout. So you can't push harder, but you want to earn more money. So what do we do, right? How do we change up our strategy and change up our game in order to earn more money while working less? And I think that the the old strategy works to the point of about a hundred thousand in revenue, and then after that, it's a whole different game. I, I, do you find that with your clients, Christy? I literally said that to somebody on a sales call the other day. They were like, you know, I'm between this point and this point in revenue, and my goal is to be here. And I was like, look, past this point, you cannot do yeah. it alone. We're gonna have to look at adding, you know, outsourcing, which you haven't already outsourced. We're going to have to look at adding team members to you. We're going to have to look at different avenues because what you've done has worked to here and will work just a little bit further, but it's not going to get you to that goal. So that completely parallels what I've seen and write about at that 20,000 a month, I think is kind of what I tend to look at. I'm like, you can't keep doing what you were doing because you'd have to raise your prices to like an outrageous amount for you to be able to make the amount to keep making more there. So it's discovering different avenues to make that money at that point. Oh, this is like my favorite conversation. What? I mean, I'm not the interviewer here, but I'm I'm so curious about what are some of your favorite suggestions for clients about how to create that scalability in your business. Because I bet you and I both work 
with a lot of women who up to that 20K per month part, you know, or I was talking about in the range of 120,000, 150,000, it's a lot of one-on-one offers, right? It's a lot of you give all that you are and all that you can give to the one-on-one clients. And and then that system breaks. You know, what are what's one of your favorite scalable offers that you kind of help clients look into in order to get themselves out of that, break that income ceiling? Well, I will say, you know, even something that you can see I've done in my business is start to implement a level of a subscription mm-hmm. model yes. where people get access to the information they need. They feel the backing of the support. That has really allowed me to offer stuff at a lower scale than I would have normally, but I'm still there to support them. And I know that's going to be recurring revenue for me. Some days, weeks, months will be a little crazier when more clients have questions. I know I can handle that. So from a financial standpoint, it's something interesting I've really learned is the human brain prefers consistent income to more income. We just want to know what is going to be there. I guess part of this is your risk tolerance, but a lot of women have lower risk tolerance. So it's like if I said, Kristen, you could make $1,000 or $12,000, or you could be like guaranteed twelve or $10,000, you'd be like, oh, the guarantee sounds pretty good to me. Obviously, it depends on the personality. I take the 10 grand guaranteed versus... right some big time gamble, I would take the guaranteed 10 grand to know that my rent's going to get paid, the lights are staying on, and that vacation I have booked, I'm not going to have to renege on it. Exactly. And so when you take care of this base level of your finances and have a predictable stream of income, I find you waste less energy stressing about if we are sitting here saying, I have to move this money from this account to make it here. And that takes up so much energy that Mm -mm. we just don't need to be doing. Like you would rather just say, I can put this on auto pay. I know it'll go through. I know it's good. I have this one account. We don't make it too complicated because you're wasting so much mental energy. So yeah, I found it's focusing on the more predictable from an offer standpoint. And then of course, just learning how to outsource anything. My personal standpoint and what I've done in my business is outsource non-client facing work first and then outsource regular processes such as, you know, onboarding. For me, that is, I want to bang my head against the wall when I onboard a client. I'm so thrilled to have them and I'm like, I'm so excited and now I have to do a ton of work. (laughs) So really making sure that those are all honed in. I find there tends to be a little bit more. And this is very interesting that you're probably closer to like the 150K you're saying it's at. And I'm probably the 120 with like 20K a month. Because I find that there's tends to be a little bit more you can squeeze once you tighten up your operations. Um, So you think you're there, then you tighten up your operations, then you can squeeze that extra, you know, couple more thousand a month. And then you're at the point we have to look at new offers. So I I think we probably see very, very similar. I think so too. I think so too. And I love your emphasis on the subscription model and same, same that 
one of the first things I look at for a middle of the rung on the ladder, you know, on the offer ladder offer is absolutely that recurring revenue, right? Like we need, mm-hmm. we need that. I need to know that my client is not just waiting for one big fish, which is really dangerous. And I don't want to put their family in jeopardy, right? So like, how are we going to create mm-hmm. that consistent recurring revenue? That is scalable, right? Allows you to work with a bunch of And also making sure, a a conversation I had the other day, making sure contracts really outline cancellation terms and and contract terms. Somebody the other day was saying, I'm sure it was just like a TikTok where people like to have controversial opinions, but they were like, people should be able to cancel at any time. Otherwise, you're not standing behind your service. And it's like, Part of like, yeah, I understand that you shouldn't be paying for something you don't like. There's a whole different situation when it's you're not getting what you thought you were signing up for. But I firmly believe all of my contracts, they started a six month term minimum just because, as you know, it takes time to start getting results. And they have a 30 day cancellation clause because I, as a business owner, absolutely need to know if I only have 30 more days with this revenue because that. I have to plan, right? Otherwise, I am stressing. My life is blowing up. I mean, not that dramatic, but for certain for certain clients yeah. that I have, if they have one big yeah. client, being able to predict and prepare, you'll hear me say that all the time, what is going to happen in the next month, I actually kind of countered that opinion of it's not ethical to make people stay for so long. It's like, well, as a business owner, you need that just from like an emotional capacity. I have the exact same terms and conditions. Now, I do it differently on my online courses and I did it differently for my membership. I used to have a membership Mm. for kind of burgeoning entrepreneurs, first one to three years of their business. I've since archived that offer, but I used to have that and definitely would allow people to and the membership or, you know, whatever, the online course within a certain amount of time. But that wasn't your like high ticket And so, right. So it's not like if that doesn't come in, you don't know where we're Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And I have the exact same terms of, we start with an initial six month contract because it does take time for people to get results. And I'm not doing my due diligence. I'm not in integrity if I'm not getting you results because there's nothing worse than coaches who are promising you the moon and giving you a goddamn moon scratch and sniff sticker at the end of 10K investment, which I just cannot stand. So six-month investment, same as you, and and 30 days notice because, yeah, I'm on consultations with folks. And I'm telling them, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have room in my calendar right now, or I could do a VIP day with you, but I can't do the six month coaching retainer with you because I'm booked. Yep. And then lo and behold, here comes Sally Lynn telling me she's ready to like, thank you so much. Got so much out of this. I'm ready to end. And I'm like, oh girl, I just told somebody no on a consult. We need 30 days advance notice. I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just, for me, it's developing that predictable, those predictable streams of income. 
and seeing when they're going to come in. And then we would maybe start to look at what you had, you know, more of a one-to-many offer or how we can expand the reach of that. Yep. Yep. I am very interested in low-ticket offers right now. I feel like I am seeing a much bigger demand right now for low-ticket offers, which is very contrary to your initial, I mean, 2019 to 2021, it was an era. It was an era of the high ticket and the, you know, $500 to $1,000 course or group coaching program. But right now I am seeing a much bigger demand for lower ticket items. And I think it is really fun to figure out ways to take curriculum that you were employing with clients at a much higher ticket price, right? And adapt those teachings to something that is faster and at a much lower price point. I think it's a really interesting game. You know, I I look at a lot of this stuff as play because I love thinking about these things with clients. But I don't know if you're seeing the same thing of this interest in low ticket. I'm seeing exactly the same thing. And I wrote a LinkedIn post about a month or two ago. And I really think it's because so many people in during COVID times didn't have a job said, I'm going to go get into X, Y, and Z that I'm absolutely unqualified Mm -hmm. to do. I see so-and-so charging out the ass for it over here. I'm going to do the same thing. So many people got burned. So many people are now untrusting of paying for these high ticket offers because I don't mean to offend anyone, but a lot of people who were not qualified to be doing what they were and charging the rates they were did it. And people are no longer trusting to invest in these high ticket offers. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Low ticket offers are coming back. I'm very curious to see, and I'm working on putting some lower ticket in my business. So I really, really want to see if low tickets are reemerging as a true revenue stream or as more of a funnel to the high ticket when people work with those low ticket offers and basically qualify the person they're working with. I think that is the cause of the resurgence, but I'll be really curious to see where it goes. I think it really depends on the offer too that we pick for low ticket. Something like a workshop or you call it a boot camp or you call it a whatever, a masterclass, something like that, but packed with value, not just your sales webinar, but like a real, we're going to get shit done workshop on a certain topic. You could sell something like that between 20 and a hundred bucks, right? That I think is actually a good pre-qualifier for people who want to work with you on a mid-tier, higher-tier basis. But something like a mini course, a little course, I don't know, maybe not as much. I think so much of it depends, too, on whether or not a customer completes the offer, right? If they don't finish the course, Mm -hmm. they don't know you. They haven't gotten results from you. Right. But something that is interesting to think about, Offers I find really interesting are these kinds of workshops, half-day virtual retreats, and templates. And people using a template that you offer provide, they employ it, they get results. Now their confidence in you and your curriculum and your teaching 
has increased. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking for another way to work with you. And I just think that there are more, you know, in the wake of 2021, there's just more touch points needed in a sales cycle than there was prior. I think we just have to Mm -hmm. gradually build confidence and trust with people over time because you're right. A lot of us got burned. I got burned. I and I didn't think I was going to get burned. I invested in a coach who charges 3 grand a month and came highly recommended was a speaker and a mastermind I was in of a female entrepreneur I really trust. And I got dog shit out of that 3k a month investment over 6 months. And it is so disappointing. And it does make you very discerning about who you're going to hire next, right? Yeah, I actually got to a point in my business where I was like, sitting, I'm the numbers girl. I was like, I could sit here, not invest in anything for the future and just be super comfortable. But because I'm making all of these investments to grow and then not seeing the return, I don't know. It's just... I think this year has been very, a huge shift that I've noticed in things. So I'm curious to pick your brain going into, we're at the end-ish of 2023. Yeah. What do you think offer suites are going to need to look like in 2024? That's such a fun question. Okay. What do I think offer suites are going to need to look like in 2024? I think we need to add I think we need to add an extra rung at the bottom of the ladder when, Mm -hmm. in terms of our offer ladder, in terms of our offer suite. When I was first getting started eight years ago, there was an idea that to get started, you want something that's in a low ticket range. So like best practices were something that is, you know, maybe 97 bucks. Then a middle tier offer between $100 and $500, and then your high tickets, right? And everybody wanted to be in the high tickets. High ticket is fantastic for that bread and butter, right? That's how you have stable income and know that the lights are going to stay on and your rent is going to be paid. We need those. We need those in our offer ladder for sure. Those aren't going away. But I think something that I have where when I've been charting where my customers are coming from and that you're, you're talking to somebody who relies heavily on high ticket offers. Okay. So I'm not one to, I don't hawk a lot of like $33 things. Right. But what I have noticed is that my $9 business audit template, which is a spreadsheet various different tabs that allow somebody to lead themselves through a guided, a self-guided business audit. So we'll audit your revenue streams, your marketing, your relationships and refers, your expenses, and then some bigger picture types of things about your business. That is the, is that lowest rung on the ladder offer that people use it and they're like, shit, she made me think differently about my business. They get, it gives them insight into my brain and how I work as a coach. Like, I am a little woo, but I'm not, 
oh my God, just like sit there and visualize your biggest business and then it's going to happen. No, girl, we got to look at your revenue from the last year and I'll hold your hand while we look at your numbers, but I'm a lot more strategic and, and part of my strategy is some energy work. Absolutely, there's a place for it, but you can't just sit there and and meditate and think that gonna meditate the money meditate the 500k in it's part of it we gotta meditate yes but but that's not all of it and so i think these i think in 2024 because of the low trust that people have we have to meet our our audience with very low ticket offers that give them insight into what's the type of work we do how do we do it does that mesh or gel with them then comes the next touch point which is going to be something like a workshop a way that they can work with you personally get extreme value and make a decision for themselves of i want to i want to stay close to this person i like the way she works and i like the types of company and people she keeps around her or can't stay on the sound of her voice that yellow sweater vest or green sweater vest that she's wearing right now is giving me the ick gotta go p.s to everyone listening to the podcast right now i'm wearing a green sweater vest it's fine she's not talking i'm not talking crap about her i'm I'm, i am self-deprecating right now but i i think because of the low trust level with customers we need that lower rung on the ladder offer and then we need another low, <laughs> low ticket offer to get people understanding us and working with us. And the final thing that I think is going to be really important is that you go above and beyond and you create touch points, personalized touch points with clients that we're all sick and tired of these fully automated and standardized emails, like I just delete them immediately. So the old sales email sequences of the past aren't working. And there are ways that you can automate more personalized touch points with clients. Things. I've heard about video messages a lot lately. Video ask is one of them. So you, it doesn't have personalized, doesn't, and doesn't mean more work necessarily, though it can. I just test drove something and I had one of the highest revenue months of my business ever in August, July, July, bleeding into August. And it was the result of investing some more energy and having higher touch points with clients because of this trust barrier. So we've got to do things that are uncommon that other business owners aren't doing in order to make our prospect know that we give a shit about them, that we're here. We're a real person. They are not one of a gazillion. And, you know, you know how people enter when they enter your email list, they'll put like their first initial. And so all of your emails to them are like, hey, M, like, no. Yeah. Hey, Kay, no, you're Kristen. And right. I'm going to talk to you as Kristen and really show you that I care about your business and I'm here to understand it and here to advise you in a custom and personalized way. I think we're going to have to, whether it's automated or you go above and beyond in some interesting ways 
to make people know that you're real and you give a shit, I think those are going to be really important in 2024. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think people are so much more interested in the, the people and the company they're working with and even like company values, like what you represent. I recently found myself hiring a cleaning company on their website. I was looking for someone that was used a lot of non-toxic products because I have my dogs around my house. Great. So, you know, number one, I found this company. They were like, we believe in non-toxic. And I was like, great, that's awesome. Like you went to go book things. One of the things they had down on their website, all of our, empl- our, all of our cleaning staff, all of our employees are W-2 employees with benefits. And that just resonated with me so much. I was like, these people in a field that are historically yeah. not W-2 employees, not getting benefits, you just posted your values. And I resonate with and appreciate that so much. I didn't go out and like cost hunt. I was like, perfect. You offer what I need. And I saw that on your website and I really agree with your values. And now I'm investing in you. And so I think that values are going to be really, really important in kind of the, the shift in 2024. And you're right. I think that's that's one way that people can, that's that distinguishing factor, right? The game now is you have to be unique. Right. And that doesn't mean that we're trying to cast the widest net and get everybody. No, you should be exactly who you are. But messaging is going to be really important so that people know Mm -hmm. really who you are, your values, like you said, what you stand for, and that that is visible on your website and on your social media platforms and in your newsletter emails. Because that's what's going to make people trust you, know, like, and trust you, right? And I love, I love that story about, I hope that makes that into a podcast episode or an email newsletter because that's so true. If I saw that on somebody's website, I would be very willing to pay more money because their service aligns with my values of women getting paid. I'm sure the majority of their cleaners are women women getting paid, women being able to support their families and being rich and rested. You ain't going to be rich and rested if you don't have (laughs) benefits and, you know, stable employment. So I love that example. Yeah, absolutely. It really stood out to me. I don't even think I realized like what a big deal was to me when I, until I saw that. And I was like, no, I really appreciate that. They also, this was just a cool aside. After she came, she like left a little QR code and it was like, leave me a review. And she was like, oh, well, if I get enough of these, like I get a paid day off. And I was like, I'm going to Google right now. And it was a great way for the company to align like what they wanted with also giving a benefit to their employee, right? Like they didn't have to pay. This is the financial brain in me thinking. I was like, they used the money they would use for advertising and asked people for reviews instead, which gave them that positive advertising. And instead, that money got to shift to the employees. I just, I was, I loved that so much. It was I so want cool. them to come on this podcast episode right now. <laughs> and we're going to make this a two-part series. And we're going to, we're going to have a conversation with that founder or whoever is behind this whole marketing and branding plan, because I love this stuff. This is, oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. It was amazing. But I know we have run quite long for our listeners now. Hopefully you guys are 
in a long car ride or on a long walk. But Kristen, before we close out, is there anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners? And of course, share where can they can find you and work with you? Sure. The one thing that I've got for free, you know, one of the things that we've talked about today is the importance of figuring out what lights you up, right? What are you the absolute best at? And then how do you pivot your business to position you in the offers and time-wise where you spend your time on the things that you're the absolute best at and then automate or delegate the rest. I have a workbook for people. If you don't know how to answer that question immediately of these are my top three genius zone skill sets, I have a workbook to help you figure that out. And so it's called the Discover Your Genius Workbook. And I'm sure... I can get you the link, Christy. We can put it in the show notes, something like that. Um, but in case not, you can go to my Instagram, which is Kristen Brabant, B-R-A-B-A-N-T, coaching. And go to my links in my bio, Discover Your Genius Workbook. It's there. You can download it. And ways to keep in touch are, honestly, it's my newsletter crew. So I have a Thursday newsletter that goes out every single day. Oh, me too. They'll get both of ours at one day. Okay. Thursday. Just kick back with your coffee girls and, and listen to Christy and Kristen on Thursdays. But <laughs> it's packed with every, I mean, I'm an ex-teacher. So every single newsletter comes with like actual, practical, tangible tips to grow your business in every newsletter. And it is outlined like a teacher would outline it step by step no high level things that you don't know how to actually apply in your business. There's no gatekeeping. My Thursday newsletter is where I deliver my best stuff. So going to my website, kristenbrabant.com, and there's a little box at the end of the homepage where you can join the Thursday newsletter crew. That's actually where I recommend people stay in touch the most because on Instagram, I've transitioned to um, a static 12 grid because a lot of people have yeah, lately. because it's just, this is what I do with my clients too. Like that is not where I was getting the biggest ROI on my business. LinkedIn and my newsletter and referrals are. And so that's where I'm investing my time. LinkedIn, newsletter and referrals. So on LinkedIn, I'm Kristen Brabant, but on Instagram, you can, you, that's where you can like snoop. You know, if you want to snoop on me, and be like, what's this chick all about? Go to my highlights on Instagram and snoop away, sister, um, or my website. My website is filled with client uh, case studies. So you can see three different clients. Where did they start? Where did they end? It'll give you a really good idea of who do I work with and the kinds of results I create with people. Amazing. I love it. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for coming back for the whole second time of this I recording, but I am so glad we got to do it. This has been so valuable. And to our CEOs, don't forget to join Kristen's newsletter as well as mine. So you can be a part of everybody's Thursday crew, get all the fun newsletters and be sure to let us know what you liked from this episode, what you want to hear more of, and we'll make sure to do that for you. So until then, We'll see you next time.